Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. And welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Boys, what a weekend it was. It is now officially the Monday after the NFL Draft, if you're listening to this in your podcast app or watching us on YouTube. Uh, I've got the usual co-host with me today, Matt Okada, John Helmkamp. Fellas, how are we doing post-NFL Draft? Mm. Um, how tired are you all. feeling in any of my extremities? I, uh, I'm not entirely sure what either of your names are, so I'm just going to go look at the screen here where we have uh, lovely overlays for YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was absolutely insane uh, for me the three days. Our, our manager, when we were starting the week, told us that it's basically like sprinting a marathon, and that is not Excellent. an understatement. That is what it was, so... I uh, at at the end of the of Saturday, not the end of the draft, mind you, the end of my workday, which went a few hours after the draft. My goal was to go take a cold shower for like twenty minutes because it's it's there's a heat wave down in California and I was hot all day, but I couldn't even muster up the energy to walk <laughs> to the shower, so I just lay on my bed <laughs> for like a half an hour, and then I eventually oh, so did go sad. take a cold shower. <laughs> Yeah, uh, John and I were live streaming for round one of the draft. Okada was working his butt off uh, for all seven rounds of the draft and then some hours afterwards. So uh, I think it's safe to say Okada is well prepared. I know John has been uh, tracking the landing spots for all these guys. We're busy updating our rankings, which are now officially live on the website uh, as of Monday. Um, And we are starting off with John's favorite position. uh, One of mine to talk about the running backs as well. We have a a lot to talk about with these we guys do. because I don't know if you guys felt this way, but there was not a bad landing spot amongst the top like eight or nine running back prospects. Like everyone landed in a pretty favorable spot. And we'll talk about there that here uh, in a little bit more detail. Before we do a reminder, you can find us on social media at Redshirts FF Pod. It is on Instagram, Facebook, and of course, Twitter. And be sure to head over to the rep- website. We have uh, recap articles up for myself and John. We have new writers joining the staff very soon. Their articles will be up uh, soon as well. And of course, if you're looking for more rookie content, you want to hear more about these guys, go over to the YouTube channel. Uh, we have our rookie breakdowns there talking you know, for about six, seven minutes about each prospect, what to expect for fantasy, strengths, weaknesses, all that good stuff. All right, guys, let's break down a little bit of news and then we'll get into the running back position here. I got great news, guys. Oh, news. Hey, So we had some movement go on during the NFL draft. Marquise Goodwin has been traded from the 49ers to the Eagles. The two teams swapped six-round picks in the process of the trade. Uh, fellas, we'll talk about wide receivers on tomorrow's episode, but let's chat about what it means for both depth charts. Let's start with the Niners here. Goodwin out. They take Brandon Ayuk uh, out of Arizona State to pair him with Debo Samuel. Uh, any big changes that you guys can see taking place here in San Fran? I wouldn't say big changes. I would say that uh, a lot of the initial reaction to the Ayuk draft choice was, oh no, now Debo is going to be crap or Ayuk is going to be crap. They can't both be good because they're similar. And the simple fact is they're it. Them and Kittle. That's all they got. Yeah. And, well, so, and Jalen Hurd. 
but we don't know. I don't. He is. I don't count Jalen Hurd exactly. We don't know what he is. We don't know what position he plays. He was injured all of last year. He could certainly be nothing. He could be a contributor in a gadgety sort of way. But for as far as Samuel and Ayuk, these guys are going to both have a path to a hundred plus targets easily. Yep. So I don't. And this this helps with that for sure. Like uh, Godwin was or Goodwin was out for most of last year, so we don't really know what it would have looked like. Emmanuel Sanders was there for part of last year. He's now gone as well. So it's really them too, and I see no concerns. I like both of them heading into this year and beyond. Question for you on that, real quick, Okada. Which one of those two do you think is better on the outside? Um, probably Ayuk. That's kind of where I lean. I, yeah, I would lean Ayuk. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree I with mean, that as well. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a. Basically, the Eagles got a, a free depth piece in a trade that swapped picks, like in the same round. So, it, it almost felt like Goodwin was a little bit of a throw-in on that. Like, we're gonna move back, and instead of compensating you with like, uh, you know, sixth next year, have Marquise Goodwin, and so that's great. You got another speed guy. All of a sudden. They have a track team at wide receiver in Philly um, between what they've acquired in the draft and in the trade. So I think nothing really changes in San Francisco, except I think they're entering the year with more of a set plan because last year it was there was trades and Emmanuel Sanders leaving and people getting hurt. Now it's like we have these two pieces that I think we're going to focus on. So I think that helps San Fran prepare. And Philly had a very depleted wide receiver core and all of a sudden they've got like three absolute burners on that team. So I think I think it's uh, I think it's okay for Philly in that trade. Yeah, definitely. And we'll break down the wide receivers a little bit yep. more in detail uh, on the next show which drops tomorrow. Uh, by the way, we are going to drop four podcasts <laughs> four days in a row for you guys Boy. with all the NFL draft goodness. Get if you're up. listening today, obviously you know it's running backs on Monday. Tomorrow's wide receivers uh on Wednesday is going to be quarterbacks and tight ends. And then on Thursday, we will do a rookie mock draft for you all. So that is the plan mm. for the week. But and and if I you are watching, agree. if you are watching these on YouTube and realize that none of us are are changing our clothes, it's because <laughs> we are literally sitting down all day on Sunday after the draft to break down all of it for you guys. So it is going to be a marathon of a day. Um, the Friday night episode when it drops might be a little bit delirious so stay with us yeah hang in there guys <laughs> uh next piece of news here uh sticking with the niners matt breda traded from the niners to the dolphins for a fifth round pick really intriguing because it almost felt like breda was just getting phased out of sam fran barely got any run in the playoffs with raheem mostert stealing the show obviously tevin coleman still there um Jarek mckinnon a depth piece but the Dolphins, everyone said DeAndre Swift is going to land with the Dolphins. Well, he didn't. And now Matt Breda goes to a situation where it's he and Jordan Howard. I mean, Matt Breda's fantasy value skyrockets after this past weekend. Um, I'm going to kick it over to you first, John. What are your thoughts on Breda as a player? And then second off, um, if you have to own one Miami Dolphin running back this year, you think it's Jordan Howard or you think it's Matt Breda? Yeah, um, I actually am a bit of a Breda truther. I, I think that he is a very efficient runner. Um in terms of what he creates, he gets really good yardage almost every time he touches the ball. He, he rates out really highly that way. Um, I think that he's uh, pretty explosive, pretty quick. Um, durability is a bit of a concern, um, but I think that he is a fine running back. He just fell out of favor with Shanahan, and Shanahan doesn't really care who's carrying the ball. 
So he's just like, okay, well, we'll just go to the next guy. Um, so great for Breda to go get a fresh start down in Miami. Um, a really kind of ascending team that I think killed it this offseason. I think they had a great offseason in draft getting Tua. So Breda goes down there and and gets a fresh start. Um, I think Jordan Howard is the, the lead guy um, with Breda kind of factoring in as change of pace, uh, passing work. I think it's going to be pretty split in the carries. I don't think Howard's going to have like 80% of the carries. You know, it's probably going to be like a 60-40, 55-45 split, something like that, in my opinion. Um, if I'm choosing one of them, I'm choosing Jordan Howard, who, by the way, is still only 25 years old. So he's not this old ancient running back like everyone wants to write him off to be. So I think Jordan Howard, who I actually targeted in a lot of startups that were going over the offseason, dodged a massive bullet by that them not going out and getting a top-tier running back in this class. So I'm, I'm really liking uh, Howard's value this coming season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the next piece of news here on the dock, man, the Niners, they were active, trading for Trent Williams from the Redskins. Uh, and in the same corresponding move, Joe Staley retires from the NFL. Um, Staley, man, what a beast. Uh, absolutely a wrecking ball on the offensive line. They fill him in with Trent Williams, uh, equally as good of a player. Um, so, you know, not much to discuss as far as like the fantasy implications of him specifically, obviously, but definitely arrow pointing upwards uh, for the Niners in general, and the running game, which they ran the ball uh, at the second highest clip last year. Anyways, it fits perfectly for what they want to do, uh, bringing in Trent Williams there. Another piece of news, this is more interesting, so I want to discuss it a little bit. The Saints are close to finalizing a one-year deal with Jameis Winston, and potentially, if you're listening to this either later in the day on Monday or early on Tuesday, potentially a deal could have already been done, but as of the recording of this podcast on Sunday afternoon, no deal official yet. But the Saints are close to getting Jameis Winston to back up Drew Brees. Guys, what are your thoughts on that from a dynasty perspective? Wild. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is such a weird move. Like, Winston is not a one-year guy no. when you already have an elite guy. I don't really know what that does for you. Like, I guess you can see him in practice and maybe a couple preseason games to see if he understands the system and doesn't throw 20 picks. And maybe that tells you, oh, I think I found the successor to Drew Brees two years from now. But that then you still have to sign up for another year. Yeah, I, I really don't know. It doesn't make too much sense to me. And if Winston goes there, I, I mean, listen, if you want a guy in that offense, if he's the quarterback in that offense, that's incredible. His fantasy value would be huge. Yeah. But he's not going to be for next year. And then if it's a one-year deal, then that's up. And he's a free agent again. So it does almost nothing for you. He just has to get re-signed by them or signed by someone else. And there's not really any reason for them to be more eager to sign him than someone else. So I don't think it does too much for me for Winston. It's a little bit confusing. Uh, yeah. I don't know. John, do you have some more yeah. stable thoughts? Um. No, I don't have more stable thoughts. It's okay, so weird because I, the first thing that I saw was um, Jameis Winston is close to signing with New Orleans. And I'm like, great. They're bringing him in on a three or four year contract and they have their plan locked up for after Breeze. All of this was smoke about Taysom Hill. And then I saw that it's one year and I had the same thing that Okada. I went, why? That doesn't make any sense. What? What are Porque? you doing? Porque why? <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense um, to do a one-year contract. I, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I, I don't know if it's 
bring him in and like you're saying, just work him out. Like they're giving him a contract to see him in practice. And if they get a good feeling about him, maybe extend him past that. So I don't know. He's a dynasty hold for me. If you've got him on your roster, just stash him and see what happens. But I don't think I'm going out and buying Jameis Winston on this. Um, it's really just, it's peculiar. It's very, um, un Sean Payton-esque to, to bring in a veteran quarterback on one year to sit behind your veteran quarterback. I, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Maybe yeah, this would, maybe ahead. they're just trying to get some info on the Bucks. <laughs> ah, oh, they paid it's for a Patriots type moves. Yes. Where the they pay same for a division. I see what you're doing there. Well, hey, yeah. the issue is it's going to be a completely different offense. <laughs> it should be completely oh. different. And they got True. even better at the running back position. Spoiler alert. Uh, there mm. in Tampa. Uh, hey, guys, before we get into the running backs, we gave away a mug to one of our followers on Twitter. And I want to announce oh. the winner of that. Before we get into the, the breakdown here, we put out a contest on Twitter saying if you can name the top 10 draft picks of the NFL draft, incorrect order or closest to it you would win a free red shirts mug we have a winner boys at wilson 27 got six out of 10 correct and that is nice. with the correct team nice. very very solid there uh hitting on that so at wilson 27 uh hit us up on twitter at red shirts ff pod uh dms uh and we will get you the mug uh sent over shortly all right, boys, let's waste no more time. Let's get into the rookie running back breakdowns here. Please. We are going to talk about uh, the probably top 12 or so running backs taken in the draft. And we're going to go in order of the, the order which they were taken in the real NFL draft. And then we'll talk about it from a fantasy perspective and discuss our rankings in these uh, rookie running backs. So, fellas, round one, pick 32. Called him and told him, <sighs> listen. Pat Mahomes said, you can have anyone you want. Which running back do you want? He said, I'll take Clyde Edwards-Elair out of LSU. The only running back to go in round one. Boys, well, I got to talk to Okada first because he's a a bit of a hater on this pick. John and I, we were on the live stream when this happened. So John and I both know we're in absolute love with this pick. The fact that Pat Mahomes got to choose the running back and he said, I want that guy. How good that offense is, the way the running back produces. We've seen it before with Damian Williams. But Okada's a bit of a hater. Okada, you're not quite as high as John and I in the rankings here on CEH. What gives? Okay, so let me be very clear about where I stand on this. This is a great running back, and this is a great offense. And it was a great draft selection. He got taken in the first round, highest running back in the draft. That is extremely nice. All those things together are wonderful and they boost CEH's value a little bit from where he was. However, the immediate reaction in the fantasy community, oh, and when great. I say fantasy community, I mean these two dinguses <laughs> to my right and below me was, oh, he's the 101! Oh! <laughs> and if you can't see, because you're not watching the YouTube, I'm waving my arms around like an idiot. Crazy no, you were not just waving, waving your arms around. around. That was something I can't even ex- explain what just happened. It was happened. the wacky way that you played <laughs> the arm, man. That's what it yeah, was. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and it was oh bonkers. <laughs> okay? Listen, I love CEH. He's a great prospect. Oh, but man. no one had him in their top two running backs coming in. Most people had him four, five, or six. I know John I had him at three, which was, yes, it was quite nice and high. But that was the, uh, the not the norm. That was out of the norm. 
And then the Chiefs were not in the top three or four running back landing spots. We were talking about the Ravens. Because we no one saw the them doing it. We were talking about the Rams. No, because it was not one of the yeah. best spots. We, we didn't necessarily think they were going to take one at, in the first round, but we thought they were going to take someone else, probably, maybe a little bit later. But it doesn't matter whether we thought they would or wouldn't. It was not in the conversation for top three or four landing spots. All of a sudden, a guy that we had at four or five goes to a landing spot we would have had at four or five, and everyone decides he's the 101. It made absolutely no sense to me. So I told everyone, calm your pits. And then every other <laughs> running back went to a great spot, yep. and everybody came to their senses. Yep. Now, not everyone has come quite to the level of sense that I think I've come to, which is he's very much just in that tier of the next four maybe even five guys after number one who we'll get to and i'm not i have him more in the middle of that tier than the very front however that tier is such a clump that i don't necessarily fault him for having him at two he's gonna be good he's gonna produce my my main points when we talked briefly uh after the first round about a little bit of concern was that i do not think he's going to get 250 carries i don't even know if we'll get 200 carries in this offense and I don't think he's going to get 80 catches. I think he might get 50 or 60 catches in this offense, considering the amount of weaponry they, they have around him. Now, both of those numbers, if he gets to 260, are pretty good. And then you could probably get to RB1 range with that. But it's going to be a little difficult. And I shared a stat. Every RB1, except for Saquon Barkley and Mark Ingram last year, had either 230 carries or 80-plus receptions. I do not see him getting to either of those marks, which means he either has to play like Saquon or get 10-plus touchdowns like Mark Ingram to be an RB1. It's possible. It's also possible that, you know, he just puts together 260 and that, that combo is good enough. But I don't see him as a top half of the RB1 range. I don't see him as the 101 or the 102, probably even. But if you want to take him there, I won't necessarily hate you. I still do love him. I still do love... I still do probably take him over every wide receiver in this draft. Yeah. And he's going to be very good in the NFL. But that's my piece. So Okada does not, let me just clarify, Okada does not hate Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being in Kansas City. Not a bit. His reaction is just to the entire universe saying he's the 1.01. I don't even recall saying that he was the 1.01. No, 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 stop. I'm not discrediting that I said. you may not have, but you have Jonathan Taylor obsessions so you were unique i'd never said that he was going to be the 1.01 but i was in love with with it when it happened i was sitting here like this can't i can't confirm he's <laughs> for like, covering his mouth for like 10 for minutes just, just staring dumbfounded at the computer screen that it just happened um i listen no one was talking about Kansas City being an ideal landing spot because no one thought that Kansas City would actually take an early draft capital running back. No one saw that. Everyone in their right mind on Twitter for the last three months was going, what if they landed a running back? And the reaction would be, oh, God, oh, man, oh. Oh, it'd be so amazing if they took DeAndre Swift in the first. Oh, he'd be the 1.01. No one thought that they would actually do it, though, because they have such a weaponry of wide receivers and we thought they might, like, shore up defense um, or something along those lines. So I didn't have them ranked anywhere as being a top running back landing spot because I never thought with their first round pick that they would go out and take one of the top running backs. And the fact that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the first running back off the board, I love. Um, the fact that the GM, the offensive coordinator, the head coach, the quarterback are all 
completely in on this selection for their team, I love. The fact that you're hearing Andy Reid comparing him to Brian Westbrook, I love. So everything about this, to me, is just incredibly juicy. He's still not my one, he's my two, but I love it. And I think it's fantastic. What are you scoffing about, Okada? (laughs) You are having the worst, I don't know if you can hear me, but the worst robot action right now with your internet. Oh no! On the video. It's okay, the podcast people hear you fine. Okay. Yeah, they hear you fine. That's a bummer. Um, But yeah, long story short, I love him. I think they love him a lot. And I think that he's going to be utilized heavily in this offense. I... I'm not saying that he's going to be a a top six overall running back in like this next season. I think it's possible that he is, um, but I think that he's got a good shot at at cracking top twelve value. The question that this comes down to is whether or not Damian Williams cuts into Ceh. I think Ceh is the back to own. If you're telling me I have to pick one, is it Damian Williams or is it Clyde Edwards-Helaire? It's the guy they took in the first round of the NFL draft. I mean, you look at the hit rates of these running backs that go early in the NFL draft. In round one is um, almost, I mean, I don't want to say can't miss, but it's so good. It is so predictive of success in the NFL. So that works for Ceh. Obviously, the offense in general is amazing. But I don't think Damian Williams is just going to go away. I don't think Clyde Edwards-Helaire is going to get 80% of the work. Can he get 60 and still finish as a high-end RB2 this year in fantasy? Yes, I think so. And if you look at the the difference between he and CEH, that's Damian Williams, I think CEH profiles as the guy that you want more for a fantasy value because of how good of a pass catcher he is. Not saying Damian Williams can't do it, because he can, but they traded for him because of his pass catching ability. In PPR formats, I won't fault anyone that wants to take him at 1.01 in rookie drafts. I don't have him ranked there. Well, I, I have him as but... my two. Um, yeah, I wouldn't take him there at one. But there are certain people who are, and I probably won't fault them for that. We don't have that in our consensus ranks. Uh, I've got him at two. John's got him at two. Okada, you have him at, let's see, four. Five, four. four. Um, so we're all high on him. We still love the guy. But yes, I think the 1.01 uh, buzz was probably a bit too reactionary, especially when you consider what happened on night two of the NFL draft. The next running back off the board was DeAndre Swift to the Detroit Lions with the 35th pick overall. I had Swift as my one going into the draft. I still love him from a talent perspective, but Kerryon Johnson is a very good running back, and those two are probably going to work in some sort of tandem this year. Again, what that split is, we'll have to wait and see how our projections shake out. But Kerryon Johnson, again, kind of like Damian Williams, is just not going to go away. I think that the two of them split work in some capacity. But the other issue is Detroit had a bottom 10 offensive line last year in the NFL, and we've seen them struggle over the course of the years, just not really be able to get their running back involved the correct way. We saw it with Kerryon Johnson even last year and the year before. So is Swift still a very, very good running back to me? Yes, he is. But this is almost like a, I don't want to say it's a downgrade because they still took him in the, the 31st pick overall, which is great. But it wasn't the landing spot I was hoping for uh, personally. Yeah, it's not ideal. It's probably actually one of the least exciting of these top this top tier as far as just yeah. landing spot goes. So, you know, it doesn't catapult Swift up or anything like that. In fact, there's some spots that would have gotten Swift above Taylor for me. Uh, but I think it's still a good spot. I think this offense is getting better. I think it will be better. 
Uh, and I think he's the best running back they've had in years. Yeah. Um, I mean, they had the Reggie Bush kind of little era, but he it wasn't really his prime when they had him. And he's not even as complete a running back as Swift is. Um, listen, he I, I see this as a Mixon-Bernard kind of split. That's what I'm looking at. Uh, that's what I'm looking at for Detroit. When people are going to talk about on Johnson, yes, he's good. Yes, he's effective. He's a very good pass catcher, and he's shown good running ability. He's also shown an inability to stay healthy with a large workload. I think you put him in a Giovanni Bernard-type situation, maybe even a little bit of a Melvin Gordon-Austin Eckler from a couple years ago when Gordon was still there. And you get a very productive one who scores touchdowns, who racks up rushing yards, and you get a two who's who's a PPR flex easily, even in RB2 range sometimes. Um, I could easily see that kind of situation for Swift and Johnson, especially if the offense is a little bit better. So I still like Swift a lot. He is my two. Uh, uh, well, he, he he's bouncing back and forth between two and three. I'll probably change it about 18 times over the next month. Right. So check back <laughs> within me then. Uh, but I st- I'm still very happy with it. Yeah, Swift's landing yeah. spot um, in Detroit, I, I'm very similar to you. I think that it's okay. Um, it's definitely not like one of those situations where you go, oh, crap, now i got to drop Swift like way down my rankings. It's not that bad, but it's not great. Um, but he is also definitely by far the, the most talented running back that they've had in, in a long time. I'm looking at it right now. Um, since 2000 and... 2013, 2013, they had Reggie Bush, who just barely cracked a thousand yards at the thousand and six <coughs> rushing yards. Since then, their running their lead running back totals are 860, 597, 357, 552, <laughs> 641, oh. and last year 403. Um, it's not, not great. great, Bob. Not great, Bob. The Reggie That's Bush season <laughs> was the Reggie Bush season was the only season since 2005 that they've had a thousand yard rusher that's it so they i think are looking to change that which is why they spent very high draft capital on a very talented running back that can be involved in all phases but they like like you already brought up okada they they still have carry on johnson who is a very good pass catcher um i see it the same way i don't think that he's going to step into a bell cow carry on johnson's not going to go away um, Carryon Johnson is going to eat into it, and I think we'll especially eat in on passing down work. Um, but I don't hate the spot. He is my RB three. Definitely, and I'm with John on that. I have him as three as well. Uh, but this next guy, guys, there's going to be no disagreement at all. The next running back taken off the board that was traded up in the draft mm, to get my the heart. Indianapolis Colts trade up and take Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, the 41st pick overall. Uh, of course, that's in round two. My one, Okada's one, has never been outside of John's top one. <laughs> rankings. John, so, go ahead and rank fellas, your top one running back for me, please. <laughs> one, one, one. This guy is our consensus top running back oh. in the class. What is there to say? Absolute, uh, I mean, Belcal, great between the tackles, fluid in the passing game, fluid between the line, like can do it all. And they traded up to get him, which I yes. love because Marlon yes. Mack is a good running back and he has mm-hmm. been so good for that offense and they said you know what marlon listen buddy you're good but you're not that good you're not that so good. we're gonna trade up and take jonathan taylor um i absolutely love the landing spot 
top 10 offensive line. Some would even argue top five. PFF had them at, I think, three. I think it was PFF's rating on their offensive yeah. line. So. Yeah, Football Outsiders had him a little bit lower down. I want to say it was like eight or nine, but still, regardless, a very, very good offensive unit. Um, and, fellas, we've been talking about it with Phillip Rivers. He's not afraid to check the ball down to the running back either. So Mm-mm. let's talk about the landing spot. Obviously, you can tell I love it. I know John loves it. Uh, what do you guys think? I am glowing. Um, I feel like I just <laughs> had a new child. I'm so excited <laughs> for this. I put a tweet out there. I think it was in like February or something like that speculating what if what if the Colts took him with their first round pick at 17 which is rich it's a high price tag but I believe that that's the kind of talent that Jonathan Taylor is because I loved the fit then with this offensive line with I like everyone knew back then they were going to be bringing in Phillip Rivers even though it wasn't official like I loved that it would be a run first offense I, I loved the offensive line I love playing indoors I love everything about that landing spot for Jonathan Taylor's skill set. They traded their first round pick for a stud defensive lineman, and they were still able to trade up and get their guy, Jonathan Taylor, at the top of the second round. I am in love. Him playing behind Quentin Nelson for years to come is going to be so beautiful in the run game. Um, I love it. He's a stud. He's walking into like an Ezekiel Elliott level situation to me when Zeke came into the league. I don't think there's any reason to expect that this is not elite production out the gate i i'm in love with it okay so that i that is the main thing that i need to address because here's the thing jonathan taylor is my rb1 he is also my 101 he and there's it's not really that close but he is not ezekiel elliott this is not the ezekiel Elliott situation and there's there's (laughs) there's two main reasons for that one is that there was no one else to be a, a, even a little bit of concern for Zeke. Marlon Mack, as Betts pointed out, is very good, or he has become very good. He is very effective at running the ball when he's healthy. Now, he hasn't been that healthy, which is part of the reason probably they wanted to get a running back. You know, now they have two guys who can both be extremely productive. I don't see this being a bell cow situation, which is what Zeke got. I see this being a Jonathan Taylor heavy situation. I think right. he gets the majority of carries. I hope it gets up to 65%. Oh, he's something like that. Maybe 70 if we're lucky. But it's definitely not a 320 carry situation, which is what we saw with Zeke. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is not just in response to John. This was going to be my main point anyways. Even though he's my 101, I don't value him like we were valuing the 101 when it was Saquon or when it was Zeke. Sure. I think, and I'm okay I think it's with a that. good bit lower than that. I'm fine and with so that. So that's just important for anyone who wants to trade for it, who wants to trade for him. Also, one thing to consider, by the way, they had pick 34, and they didn't take Taylor with pick 34. They took Michael Pitt, which is interesting. Now, yes, they did trade back up to get him. That could have been a, well, we can't pass up this best player available situation now. Everyone's letting him slide. Why would they do that? We're going to go get him. But when they had the chance to take him seven picks earlier, they took Michael Pittman. Just a little tiny spritz, like not even a bucket of water. Just a little spritz of water on the fire. Having said all that, he's still the RB1. He's still the 101. He's still going to be great. I think he has the best chance to be a running back one in fantasy for many, many years to come. So he's great. I think that Marlon Mack is going to be a a small, uh, nagging, um, like, side ache 
for Jonathan Taylor for maybe this mm. year. And then after that, he's just this year. Like, yeah, just this year. Yeah, he's not under contract. Little tiny side ache for this year, and then that's it. And then Jonathan Taylor is going to go bonkers. Yeah, Marlon Mack's gone uh, next year. He well, they might bring him back, but he is not under contract after this season. So this is definitely a move that in year one, like Okada was saying, if we're talking redraft, we're not going to probably see Jonathan Taylor's true ceiling in the NFL just yet. I think Marlon Mm -hmm. Mack's going to steal a little bit. Naheem Hines is a great pass catcher, Um, and Last year, Philip Rivers targeted the running back position more than anybody else in the entire NFL. So yep. while that's great for uh, all the running backs there, Naheem Hines is probably the best pass catcher of those three, and he could steal some too. So yes, we all love JT. He's the man. Um, he's going to be great uh, for several years, but I think the the true ceiling we'll reach is going to be in 2021 uh, with Jonathan Taylor. One tiny caveat before we move on, Philip Rivers supported passing numbers to both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. So mm-hmm. I think Definitely. that Jonathan Taylor is still going to get work out of the backfield in the passing game, even though Naheem mm-hmm. Hines will be a like more of a slot wide receiver than a running back for that offense. Well, I see. I yeah, see for that. sure. Before we move on to our next running back, guys, I just want to remind everyone about the sponsor of today's show and thank them for sponsoring. You guys know who this is. It's the best place in the entire fantasy football industry to get your trophies. It is Trophy Smack. TrophySmack.com slash redshirts is the link. The code is redshirts. If you want a free, yes, I said free, ring with the purchase of any trophy or belt. Listen, guys, Okada and I, and now John, of course, we have built uh, our sponsorships on products that we trust and things that we truly love and buy ourselves. We have Trophy Smack trophies in our house. I have a ring that I gave out to the winner of the Listener League last year from Trophy Smack. Love it. These products are so legit. It is unreal. And now for a limited time only, go to that that link, trophysmack.com slash redshirts. Use the code redshirts. You're going to get a free ring with the purchase of any trophy or belt. All right, fellas. We were all in uh, perfect simpatico, so to speak, on Jonathan Taylor. We all like the guy. He's our one. We got a little bit of disagreement here with Cam Akers out of Florida State. He is the next running back off the board. He went at the 52nd pick overall, of course, in round two. Okada, you're the low, or excuse me, the highest on all of us for Cam Akers. Tell me why you're in love with this landing spot here with the Rams. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a statement, and I want you guys to tell me on a scale of one to ten, ten being cuckoo bananas, and one being very boring and not crazy at all, whether this is insane. Cam Akers should be the highest drafted running back in redraft from this rookie class this year. Nope. Nine. <laughs> that is wow. insane. Okay. I will give you a shade of maybe, possibly, but nine out of ten cuckoo bananas insanity. Okay. And I so, love the spot, too, and I'll get my chance to talk about it. Well, okay, so that's the main thing. Yes, Jonathan Taylor's spot is nice because it's got a good offensive line. Primarily, that's the, that's the main reason they have a very good offensive line. Uh, we like Swift's landing spot okay. okay. It's all right. Mm-hmm. CEH's landing spot is nice in a variety of ways. Cam Akers' landing spot is the best yeah. and the best fit of all these top-tier running backs, without a doubt in my mind. Yeah, I'll give We're you talking that. about one of the best offenses. We're talking about, yes, their offensive line struggled last year, but it was kind of strange i think it was a little bit injury based two years ago they were the best in the league at blocking for the run game so i think that they rebound in that regard we're talking about a hole that is 
without question, the best hole to be filled of all these running backs. Maybe Tampa Bay, but there wasn't really a hole there. It was just there was no one there. If for, for L.A., we're <laughs> talking about yeah, we're talking about a moderately sized hole. Body bag. That Cam Makers walks right into. Yeah. I don't think there's a question he's the most talented running back on that depth chart. I don't think there's a question he's the most well-rounded running back on that depth chart. I think he takes over Todd Gurley's role. I'm not saying he's going to be Todd Gurley by any means. I don't even think he's necessarily going to be an RB1 this year. But I think he has possibly the best chance to. And I think that he probably has the highest touchdown upside of any of these guys. We've seen it in the Rams offense for years now. Even with Malcolm Brown scoring when Todd Gurley's out. Yep. Or when they just decide to put Malcolm Brown in in the red zone, which they do plenty often. Uh, Cam Akers is going to be very, very productive right out of the gate for me. I loved his talent before this, and I love yeah. this landing spot a ton. So right now he is two. Swift and him are bouncing back and forth, and honestly, CEH is like rotating in every fourth time. <laughs> it's a club for me, but I love yeah. it. I'll say I've also been very enamored with Cam Akers for a while. Love his game. He was my uh, pre-draft running back four ahead of J.K. Dobbins. Um, I got to be honest. I really labored on Swifter Acres for my three spot. They're very similar to me as well, just like you're saying. I might go back and change it and put Swift up at three and, and move, or I'm sorry, put Acres up at three and move Swift down to four for me. Um, and then we'll change it again in a and week. And then we'll change John, it again in a week. Seriously. All right, we'll just carousel it. We're just going to text each other and be like, are we reviewing our ratings yep. tonight? Yes, we are. Okay. And we're going to go, go change, and change that stuff. real quick. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I'm with you. I love Aker's game. The, the massive gap of Todd Gurley is huge. This is a Sean McVay offense that I think is going to be less flash and bang and and more streamlined and efficient like what we saw down the stretch last year and it worked very very well they love the running back in the red zone i agree with you that he's got great touchdown upside i love the landing spot for cam Akers. um yeah i I don't know what else to say other than just echo everything that okada just said i love this spot for Akers landing with the rams it was my favorite thing to see out of the running back position in this draft because I was so happy that he got the 52nd overall pick, the 220 pick. Great draft capital for a running back that I was high on going Mm -hmm. to a fantastic situation. I was like, yes, thank you that this guy that I love landed in that spot. Um, Cam's going to be a stud. Uh, I All four of these guys we've talked about so far are going first round in your rookie mocks. I don't have any problem easily. With, easily. I don't have any problem with Cam Akers going as high as like the 106, 107. Like I'd be fine with with taking him at that. In super, in a flex. super flex. Super flex. Yeah, I'm fine yep, with it. Yeah. I can see that. Yep. And really quick uh, before bets, if you want to throw in some stuff, I will say by the way, this is the flip of what I just talked about with Jonathan Taylor. The Rams had 52, and, and then they picked at 57. They took Akers at 52, and then they came back and got and got Van Jefferson at 57. So they knew that that was their number one hole to fill. They knew that Cam Akers was the guy they wanted to prioritize. It is good. It's good. Cam Akers is a very good running back. Yeah. He is, man. He is. Um, he's actually still like learning the position, which is, which is crazy like to say. your tone. You're going to hear it in a sec. Um, oh, gosh. Listen, Cam is very good. He is a guy who is still learning the position. And I'm not saying that I think this is going to happen with him, but there was another guy on that depth chart that needed to learn the position and couldn't. 
and it was Daryl Henderson, and he struggled to translate oh, to the NFL. I'm not saying he's the same player. I'm not saying he's going to struggle like that. But I'm just saying there's a scenario that plays out where Cam Akers just isn't what we expect him to be yet. Now, listen, I have met five. I still like him. And this whole tier that we're talking about is like the tiniest little sliver yes. of difference between these guys. So my next player that we're going to talk about here, I have just above him because of his landing spot. And we'll go ahead and get to it is J.K. Dobbins takes uh, the next running back here off the board. He goes uh, the 55th pick overall. He goes in the second round. He goes to Baltimore, guys. No other team in the entire NFL ran the ran the ball more than Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram last year. Yeah, but a now, thousand Mark of Ingram those is yards still there. in that team are from the quarterback. Sure, but Mark Ingram was a, a running back one in fantasy. He was. He was. So I will there. take a running back one in fantasy. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying for redraft, in dynasty. So I had this decision today in a league that John and I played together. Uh, I was on the clock. I won him one of these two running backs. I didn't know who it was. And I said, you know what? My team's solid. I don't need this guy to produce for me right now this year. Cam yep. Akers, I think, is the guy for this year. J.K. Hmm. Dobbins, if you're telling me Mark Ingram is gone next year or even just gets phased out more and more, J.K. Dobbins is a running back one for fantasy, I think, in 2021. Of course, and it's he got him, out to project. But and he got him at the 1.09 in Superflex, for the record. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, so both those guys I like. I just prefer Dobbins more because I think the fit from what he did, running out of shotgun, running out uh, with a, a quarterback in Justin Fields at Ohio State who's also very mobile, is literally perfect translation for what's going to happen here in the NFL. So I'm not a huge J.K. Dobbins the talent believer, but Same. Mark Ingram's 30 years old and was still running back one. So plug and play, put him in. This is one where the landing spot matters a ton uh, for me. So if I may, um, if I had to pick a top tier running back in this draft class that will bust, to me it's J.K. Dobbins. Um, Don't you put that evil on me. I'm putting that evil on you. If, if sorry that he's on your team. I just took him. Um, I know. Well, bummer, dude. Sorry. Um, that's why I traded up for the 101 and got Jonathan Taylor. But um, mm. J.K. Dobbins, to me, um, runs like a bat out of hell. He's very athletic um, and quick. He, he does get caught a lot in the open field, which is weird for someone that looks as quick as he does. Um, listen, I, I, I've been on record for months as saying that I'm just not a J.K. Dobbins truther. It's just he's just not my cup of tea. I, I don't I don't like him. The landing spot's fantastic. It is a running offense. They're going to run the crap out of the ball. Um, Mark Ingram is probably there for one more year. They can get out from under his contract after this one if they want to um, for relatively cheap. I think it is like, I don't know, two mil roughly, something like that. Really cheap. Um, and he might walk into a really good situation. It's It's possible. But out of all the running backs that are going to be going in the first round of your rookie uh, drafts and there's likely going to be six of them five at the minimum um he's the one that does not have immediate access to playing time unless there's an injury which could happen um he's the one whose talent i believe in the the least of those five i just don't love it he's someone that's going to be too expensive for where i would want it there's players around there that i would rather take in front of jk dobbins um Unless he falls to me at, like, the early second round, like, I would take a chance at him then. But for me, I'm not going to pay back half of the first round value on J.K. Dobbins. And it's entirely possible that he proves me wrong. He might walk in there and love the scheme and everything goes great. And in a year, he's a top 12 running back. It's entirely possible. But there's enough question marks for me that he's 
just down the board for me and probably not going to take him at the price point that he's going at. So here's the thing for me. I wasn't a huge J.K. Dobbins fan. I was not in the in the level of hatred that John is, where he just really thinks he's poo-poo and is going to bust. <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to bust. I said if I had to no, put money on one that most will, likely. if yes. one will, he's he's the one that I think might. They might I did all not be like, awesome. Yes, I, I think they probably will be. I did not like Dobbins' talent as much as most of the guys we've talked about so far, right. but I I think he's still very, very talented, and I think that this is one of the best fits. We'd, I just said that Cam Makers is the best landing spot, like fit-wise. This one would be if there was not a guy there. If like right. if if Mark Ingram was not there, this one would be, I think, above Cam Makers for me even. And I also talked about Cam Akers being the highest drafted, should be the highest drafted rookie in redraft this year. I think that that is, I, I would put my money behind that even though you guys don't agree with me. However, Dobbins is the last of that group, yeah. the last of this group as far as where you should draft in the rookie drafts. But from then on, I would easily switch him all the way up to two in this rookie class. Like in a second, I would not hesitate to have Dobbins as my two and put Akers down or Swift down. Uh, this whole group is so close for me. This is really the only reason that Dobbins gets down for me to five in this tier instead of two because he's not going to contribute this year like we would like. And I like to play Dynasty for relatively short term, right? especially with running backs. Having said that, I love this so much. He is going to be so good after 2020. So uh, I would yep. I would capitalize on the value of that. If you're a team that's not looking to win this year, if you're in a rebuild, he's an incredible pick. If I had the 102 sure. in a rebuild or the 103, I might consider trading down in, yeah. in a non-super flex, trading yep. down, getting more picks, and taking Dobbins at 106 or 7 or 8 and getting you know, a, another second rounder or whatever that to help build out my rebuilding core. So I, I think it's great. I love this whole tier. I'm sad that we're over with it and we have to move on to another tier now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, this is the clear tier break it for is. sure. Um, those first, yeah, what is that? One, two, three, four, five uh, running backs are all very good. Happy to have any of them on our roster. These next several that we're going to talk about, it's a little dicey. And we can be quicker on these guys because especially in redraft leagues, these guys aren't going to be quite as on the radar. Right. So we'll be a little bit quicker with this breakdown. Next running back off the board, A.J. Dillon. John has termed thick freakness thick out of Boston freakness. College. The dude is a monster. The dude is huge. But he goes to Green Bay, which makes absolutely no sense in the second round. I do not Goodness understand. Gracious. You have Aaron Jones, who was amazing last year. Jamal Williams is no slouch as a backup. No. They have other holes to fill to to win a Super Bowl, and they took a running back at the back end of round two who probably won't do anything for you this year. Guys, let's chat about the landing spot. I'm not a fan at all. If anything, I think this just hurts Aaron Jones because they're going to put him on the field more times than they're not, and now they have Aaron Jones competing not just with Jamal Williams, but A.J. Dillon. So don't love it. Definitely not a fan. Not a fan. You want to know, know what this is? This is LaFleur having ghosts of 2018 pass for not making Derrick Henry a thing when, <laughs> when he was in Tennessee. This is LeFleur looking back and going, damn it, I was wrong. I should have featured the guy. Let's go draft the guy that's almost 250 pounds. It makes no sense. I don't know if he's just trying to recreate the Tennessee offense and 
get Aaron Rodgers off the field. I, I don't know what he's trying to do. And obviously, he's not the GM, he's the coach. But assuming that they're on the same page and talking about this stuff, um, I have no idea why you do this. You trade up to get a quarterback in the first round and piss Rodgers off. In the second, you don't even get him a wide receiver. You don't take a receiver at all in the draft, at all. And there were 34 wide receivers drafted. And you didn't come away with a one. Not a zilch. Incredible. Goose Truly egg. a feat. It is actually impressive. impressive. They had back-to-back <laughs> draft picks in, I think it was the seventh, maybe it was the sixth. Back-to-back picks. And they went two offensive linemen back-to-back. Back-to-back. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's yep. infuriating. Um, yep, yep, yep. You've, uh, I can't wait to hear what's going on with Rogers. He, he oh, God. Oh, he's just, not happy. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to hear how that goes over. Um, apparently, they didn't even call him until after night two, by the way. Um, wow. Which is brutal. They didn't even call him after the pick went in for for the for uh, Jordan Love. So it's it's suspect. It makes no sense. It doesn't fit the offense unless they're literally just trying to recreate the Tennessee offense and run the ball forty times a game. I, I don't know what the game plan is here. It makes no sense to me. Dylan's not on my fantasy radar, like hardly at all. Nope. I I, yeah. I don't I don't want any part of him. Yeah, I think that your your uh, postulation about Lafleur and, and Henry is kind of fair in that it makes sense that that might be what he's trying to do. But this ain't it. This ain't that it. Ain't right? ain't it. Not Derrick Henry. <laughs> We've talked about it on this podcast. Yes, we Listen, have. Everybody got up in arms about the Jordan Love pick. There's no question in my mind this was the worst pick. Absolutely. Oh yes. Between the two, maybe of the whole draft for the Packers, this was so dumb. Dylan is going to bust. He's not going to do anything. More importantly, I don't think he's even going to be a threat to Aaron Jones. Best mention he's going to get on the field. I don't even know if this does anything for me for Aaron Jones. Yes, he was drafted high in the second round, but they're going to learn quite quickly that he's not going to be what they need in their offense. He's not going to make their offense better, and he's not going to be more effective for their offense than having Aaron Jones on the field. So I think it's going to be fine for everybody except for A.J. Dylan and the Packers. That's my stance as well. And, and the thing that drives me nuts is if you're going to trade up and take the successor, who's a project quarterback, you can go to Rodgers ahead of time and be like, listen, this kid's a project, um, but he might be really good. And we're just planning for the future and we want him to come in behind you and, and learn for a while. Um, and then I'll, I promise you we're going to go out and get you some weapons after that. You might be able to get away with doing that. They didn't even do that. Yeah. They didn't do that. No, no. They didn't talk to Rodgers. They didn't give him weapons. What the hell? Green Bay, yeah. like the I only, don't understand. The only thing for me with Aaron Jones, and I agree, it's not gonna like it's not like I'm like off Aaron Jones at all. I'm just saying, if you give this AJ Dillon guy five carries, you now have Aaron Rodgers that doesn't have any weapons, and they don't even have Geronimo Allison. Like they lost him this past year, so they didn't address the position at all. And the offense in general is going to get worse as a result of this draft pick and the Jordan Love draft pick. So there's a, it's a. It's a big circle of just not goodness. <laughs> it really is. In Green Bay. So it's not anything about Aaron Jones. I still love him. It's just like, man, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Anyway, Question I digress. On to the next pick here. Antonio Gibson, uh, kind of a, we have him as listed as running back. He's kind of a running back wide receiver combo. Um, guys, absolutely explosive. Yeah. He goes in the third round, 66 overall. But what is he for fantasy? What is he for the NFL? I don't even think we know. The Redskins, I'm not sure that they know. Um, taking him there. Obviously, we know the running back room is very full. Right. Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, Bryce Love, Peyton Barber, J.D. McKissick. The list goes on. 
So, guys, I don't even know if we really spend, need to spend too much time on this breakdown, but he's a developmental player who's intriguing and he's athletic. Maybe, what would you guys say, like a third-round rookie pick? Maybe early fourth? What do you think? I think it's probably early fourth for me. I think it, it, if this was like a Chiefs offense where I thought a gadget guy or 49ers offense where I thought a gadget guy could actually have like a lot of potential value, right. he might be higher. But this is the Redskins offense, and that is what he is. Uh, anyone who thinks he's a threat to Darius Geis because he got drafted as technically an RB, no, no not at all. No. Uh, here's an amusing thing. He made first or second team all AAC twice in his career, once as a returner and once as a wide receiver. <laughs> Never is a running back. Yeah. So that's who he is. He, I'm sure he'll get used on special teams. I imagine they'll they'll you know draw up some plays for him. They'll do some interesting things for the team. Yeah. I don't necessarily hate the pick even, but I don't think he's going to yep. be a fantasy concern for guys, and I don't think he's going to be necessarily a big fantasy contributor either. Yeah, I, I think this is more of one of those uh, real football picks instead of fantasy picks. This is a team that has yep. a lot of holes on it, and he's a very athletic playmaker that can contribute in a ton of different ways to their team. Maybe he's their starting punt returner. I, I don't know. He he could be someone that just contributes on a lot of different layers. Um, he could be like Tavon Austin-esque in, in Tavon Austin's prime. I've heard that comp a couple times. Um it, I don't. I don't like him for fantasy. I would take like like Okada said a fourth round flyer on him. Sure, I, I'm fine with that. In case he develops into being like maybe a slot receiver, um, which I think would be his most natural position. But that would be about it for me. He's not a running back. Like he's not someone that's gonna have 15 to 20 carries a game. He's not that. He might get a couple drawn up gadget plays for him here. Be a punt returner. Like just. Just an athletic playmaker for that team, and I think that's how they drafted him. Definitely agree with that. One guy, though, that is going to be running back for their team and is going to be a fantasy asset is Mr. Keyshawn Vaughn oh, out of go. Vanderbilt. Goes in the third round, 76th overall, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okada already mentioned they didn't have anyone on the roster. <laughs> um, they just had some guy named Ronald Jones. Body. We are not big fans of Ronald Jones on this podcast, if you can't tell. Keyshawn John, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, excuse me, Keyshawn comes right Johnson. into the the running back. <laughs> Keyshawn Johnson, former right Buccaneer, former Bucko, let's go. <laughs> comes in, guys. What are we What are we doing here? Let's talk about it from a redraft perspective. Like you mentioned, Cam Akers potentially could mm. be the best producer in this class. There's a legitimate chance Keyshawn Vaughn is the best producer in fantasy in this class. Now we did not rank him as such in our dynasty rankings because of a couple of things. One, the guys above him have better talents, so to speak, mm-hmm. more draft capital, but still a very, very good landing spot here for Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, what do you guys think about the landing spot in general? Does he profile as the pass catching running back that Bruce Arians has looked for and has vocally said multiple times to the media, I want that running back in my backfield. Uh, he does. He's decent. Uh, I just pulled it up. He had 28 catches for 270 yards last year. In a bad that's pretty, offense. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good in college. Like That is someone who I feel confident about being a pass catcher in the NFL. Is he a CEH? No. But he can be plenty good for what they need. And I honestly take their pick of him as extra confirmation of that because of what we know Arians wants. If Arians didn't think he could get a pass catcher out of this guy, I don't think they would have picked him here because they know they don't have it in Ronald Jones. So if he wants it, it's got to be Vaughn. And yes, this spot is incredible. Uh, Betts mentioned he could theoretically be the top redraft producer in 2020. I don't think that's insane. I think he's going to be very good. Um, 
he certainly is a lower talent than the guys we've talked about uh, or ranked higher than him. But he is his own tier for me in these RB rankings. He's outside of that tier because of talent, but he's ahead of everyone else by far uh, in terms of where he went and the amount of talent he had and the draft capital that is honestly a little higher than I think a lot of people expected. So this was a good pick for the Buccaneers. It was a good pick for Keyshawn Vaughn, and I would be willing to take him very early in the second round. Maybe even squeak into the first yes. round in, in non super flex. Oh, oh yeah, uh, definitely a non super flex. Yeah, I think. so he he's gonna be good. Yeah, um, this is a dude that I've been on. I, I've been hyping me some Keyshawn Vaughn for a while. He played in a really bad offense in a really really strong conference in the SEC. Um, put on an absolute showing against LSU in all facets of the game. Um, love Keyshawn Vaughn. It might be spicy. Uh, as of right now, I have him ranked as my fifth running back with J.K. Dobbins as my sixth. Um, I love me some Keyshawn Vaughn. I love his game. I think he's more versatile than people give him credit for. Apparently, Arians sees him that way too. What happened when David Johnson came into the league with a veteran immobile quarterback in Arizona? David Johnson caught every freaking dump off known to man in that offense. That, to me, is what we're looking at with Keyshawn Vaughn with Tom Brady in that mm. offense where they're going to design it that this is your outlet. This is your check down. This is your guy that we're going to make sure that we've got your old buddy Gronk doing his thing. We've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. If nothing's there, Vaughn's your dude. Like, he's going to be right here in the flat waiting. I think that Vaughn is going to be sneaky good, and most people are going to be sleeping on him. And I think that he could absolutely produce very solidly in this offense if all that he has to do is beat out Ronald Jones. Give me that all day long. Superflex, I have no problem with him even at the back of the first. I he went in. It, this is too Agreed. early. This is too early. But he went at the one, two, three, four, five, six. He went at the one point oh seven in a superflex draft that we're in this morning. Wow. They yeah, that is a yeah, truther that these that completely buys the landing spot. It's too early for me, but it shows that there are people out there that are just hyped on him being in that Tampa Bay offense. Absolutely, uh, definitely excited there for Keyshawn Vaughn. Another running back taken next in the third round, 80th overall, Lynn Bowden Jr. out of uh, Kentucky. Not really a running back, so to speak. He was more of a quarterback, wide receiver. Guys, this is the same story for Antonio Gibson, so we're not going to really spend a lot of time on it, but just want to mention his name. One guy I do want to spend more time on, though, is Zach Moss out of Utah. He lands in Buffalo alongside Devin Singletary. He goes in the third round, 86th overall in the NFL draft. This is really intriguing because... I like Devin Singletary, man. I really, really do. I feel like Did. this skill set, no, I still do, is kind of repetitive. It I don't is. really know how to break so down this repetitive. running back yep. room. I, I have no I idea how, to, how it's going to play out. It seems like, honestly, this could be a coin flip as to who's going to have more fantasy points in 2020. Do you guys have a strong indication as to the backfield there, or do you kind of you know, share my, my feelings that it's just like, who knows? Like It's going to be a 50-50 split. I don't have a strong indication. Like I, I, I it's going to be somewhere between sixty and forty in either running back's direction. Like, yeah, the range is that for me, and I don't know who's getting the sixty and who's getting the forty. Moss is bigger and less agile than 
Singletary, but they possess a lot of the same skill set. It, I don't really know. I thought that they might go something a little bit more complimentary, a real pass catching role potentially for for Buffalo. Getting a big bruiser that's a lateral, you know, not a lateral mover, a one foot in the ground and get downhill kind of running back didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, so I don't know. I think this hurts both of them. Yeah, unless Moss turns out to be a complete bust, I don't see a situation where one of these guys takes over the backfield. I think this is going to be a hot hand, split it up kind of situation for the near term. Devin Singletary was very good last year. They drafted him higher than they drafted Moss, by the way, by not that many picks, but by a few picks. Um, And he showed out well. He was very productive when he got the ball, and uh, he looked good. I I think these guys are going to eat each other... A little bit, but to be fair, they're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to run. So it could be a situation where both have some fantasy relevance. The only danger will be if they really go hot hand and you don't even know week to week who's doing what. Right. As opposed to like each of them gets 12 carries a week or something like that. And then you feel a little bit more confident. But yeah, it's going to be a situation to keep an eye on. Honestly, if people think that it's the end of Devin Singletary, I would go buy him because I think he's very, very good and very, very talented. And I think he's going to be good for fantasy. Regardless, yeah, I will say that I have been on record as not being a Zach Moss truther, um, but value can be found anywhere. Like you have to have your own spot in mind where it becomes a valuable pick and how much risk you're willing to take on. I'm in a rookie draft. Uh, well, I it was. It's already wrapped up. Uh, yesterday, it went during the NFL draft, which is insane, and I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> yeah, poor choice by whoever. Poor choice for that. the commission, but I, I don't recommend it. But whatever. Um, he fell to me all the way to the 210, and at that point, I'm willing to take the shot on on Moss for him carving out a good role in that offense. So I, I took him there at the 210 as he'll be my like running back six on my roster, something like that. I'm, I'm completely fine with taking the shot on him there. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Uh, certainly a tier below everyone else we talked about as far as those top five or six guys. But yeah, he's interesting. I don't love the landing spot, to be honest. I just felt like... I just felt like there could have been a better scenario for Moss, so I just feel like let down by the fact that he's now in Buffalo. Yep. But we'll see. It, it could be you know, better than what we think. Um, I want to spend just a few minutes on these last couple of guys, and then we can get out of here, guys. Anthony McFarland out of Maryland lands mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh with a fourth-round draft pick. Really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Conner, I think, has one more year left as the guy. That's it. I think we could look at a scenario where Anthony McFarland is the Steelers' starting running back in 2021. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I uh, I kind of agree. I like it. This was we talked about this being one of my sneaky favorite landing spots for a guy. I was hoping it was going to be Cam Akers and higher. If Cam Akers had been well, then he went to the Rams. So who yeah, cares? You're, you're good. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> you're good, man. Um, but Anthony McFarland's certainly not the prospect Cam Akers is. Um, we see that from his draft capital, which is still the fourth round. So that's decent. Um, and and he could. He could take over and be the RB1 for the Steelers. I don't necessarily know for sure if it's going to be the case. I could see them drafting another guy in another year and just seeing how things go. McFarland, I think, has had a pretty bad injury history, which doesn't has, yeah. bode well with James Conner and the fact that they can't get him healthy. Right. So a little bit odd there. But, uh, yeah, I think he's definitely worth a shot in your rookie drafts. Yep, agree. And then one other name to mention, uh, DJ Dallas. Again, fourth round pick goes to Seattle. 
We talked about Seattle needing to address running back position. They wait. Yep. They take their running back in round four. DJ Dallas, uh, really intriguing uh, prospect, I think, especially when you consider what's ahead of him on the depth chart. I think this is a boat of confidence for Chris Carson for this season. Again, I think he's going to be a workhorse and be what he was last year, assuming he, he gets healthy with the hip and everything. But um, Rashad Penny, uh, this guy could easily come in and take the number two job right behind Carson. So definitely watch out for DJ Dallas. You guys want to mention anything about him before we get out of here? Yeah, I'll just say that there's one team in the NFL that values competition more than anything else, and it's Seattle. They do not care what your draft capital is. They care about the competition, and if they like you, they will play you. So... I mean, Carson was a seventh round pick and he's been beating out first round pick uh, Rashad Penny for two years. So um, three, three years, whatever it's been. I'm losing track of time. But I think that Dallas is a sneaky long term play there in Seattle. I like him. Uh, I have nothing to say about Dallas because it's just been said. But I would like to quickly throw out before we end Joshua Kelly's name. Yes. Out of UCLA. Mm. Yes. Looks really good at the senior bowl and actually got drafted uh, in the, also in the fourth round 112 higher than McFarland or Dallas to the Chargers, where he could Nothing definitely profile, role. yes, as a guy who gets a lot of carries and doesn't require Eckler to take 212 or whatever carries. Uh, with Justin Herbert back there, with the strength of this offense overall, I think Josh Kelly could be a sneaky guy in your draft who ends up getting 800 rushing yards and eight touchdowns pretty quickly and could go up from there. Totally agree with that assessment. Yeah, that is a really sneaky landing spot, too. Um, no one really talked about that either. Everyone was just like, you know, these big five or six names. Um, the Chargers were a place that they needed to address as well, and they did with Joshua Kelly. I think he and Justin Jackson are going to duke it out for that RB2 role mm-hmm. uh, and play either behind or alongside of uh, Austin Eckler. So mm-hmm. good call there, Okada. All right, boys, that is a ton of running back talk for the episode today. Of course, on Monday, we're back on Tuesday with wide receivers. Uh, If you're listening and you're on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you would be so kind, please leave us a rating interview in your podcast app. It helps out the podcast a ton. All right, boys, until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.